Scott Lasseter is with me here in studio, usually is, Wednesdays from 3 to 4. Lots of local stuff to talk about today, and the, the top of the list, of course, is a thing that's making national headlines. We had a veto override for a very, as always, polarizing, controversial topic whenever you touch it in any sort of way. Basically, in a nutshell, North Carolina's abortion limit was at 20 weeks. It is now law that it is at 12 weeks. Once you hit 12 weeks, you are not allowed to get an abortion anymore, except for some caveats, be that health of the mother, a uh, significant fetal abnormality, other sorts of things. And then also in this bill, something that is not being talked about very much, is money and efforts being put toward things like adoptions and foster care. So we have further restricted when you can have an abortion, increases the chance that a child that could be in a troubled family has to be born. And then the state actually now is putting more effort into supporting that child, especially early on. Yeah, Nick, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that because I think that's a, a natural coupling. It's really hard to make the argument to, to do one sort of without the other in that case. You, you mentioned that being a controversial situation. I mean, it, it really is kind of a third rail of politics. It's hard to find anybody – even people that say they're apolitical that don't have an opinion on this. And it's another thing, too, where you'll have a lot of shows, a lot of political pundits talk about abortion. And when they say talk about abortion, they'll just say what their view of it is. And then they'll bring in someone else with a different view, and they'll say what their view is. And then nothing ever happens. Yeah, then they yell at each other. We could try that, but, you know, what's fun with that, baby? We just... Right. (laughs) And so it's it's one of those topics where nothing productive in that regard is ever going to happen. People have their opinion, and and it's going to stay because yeah. it's a very significant issue. And, Both and sides if, have very reasonable reasons why they have their thoughts. And if we're being honest, it may not be a something people want to think about or talk about often, but there is – it's one of those things that it's probably touched somebody you know and love um, or, if not directly – Everybody has a mother and a daughter and, a, you know, those situations in life. So it's it's extremely personal. I think that's where it becomes difficult to legislate. But then the broader issue here, not necessarily an issue, but an aspect of this whole situation is that they passed legislature for this. The House and the Senate together, they decided on a bill, passed it. The governor vetoed it, as is the role that a governor can have. They will not sign it. They send it back. Uh, for revisions or for an override. We actually got a veto override because North Carolina has a, a GOP supermajority because former Democrat Trisha Cotham switched to the Republican Party and in this circumstance voted with the Republicans. Yeah, we and, and in, to see that veto override and what is such a a controversial issue, such a polarizing issue, I think really speaks to the the stranglehold that Republican leadership has on both chambers, realistically. Um, and it's it's interesting that I haven't looked at the vote totals, but something tells me there may have been some other folks that broke ranks there. Um, I'm, I'll take a look to see if we had any Democrats that, that chose to vote um, to override that veto. I'm not sure if any did. I feel like I would have seen that but I can't remember if they broke party lines. But that said, it brings up a a real question of if your state allows supermajorities to override vetoes and you get to a point where there is a supermajority, 
what role does the governor have anymore? <laughs> well, you know, if you go back to your civics classes, you've got the legislative branch supposed to be making the laws, the executive branch that's supposed to be making sure they're carried out, and then the judicial branch that's supposed to determine, you know, uh, legality. legality of those, constitutionality of those laws, and, and hold folks accountable. Um, it makes you wonder, is the governor at this point simply an administrator? Obviously, he has some political appointments that he's responsible for and things like that. But uh, it's it's hard to and, – and frankly, our, our legislature in North Carolina is arguably the most powerful branch. It, it is – you could argue that in, in federal government, if for no other reason. And when people sort of get way in the weeds on that, you know, it's supposed to be three separate but equal branches, you got to ask yourself, okay, who, who sets the salary for the judges and the governor? And if you get down to that brass attacks, it is the it is the legislature. So that is a decent point. And yeah, checks and balances. It is supposed to be three equal groups. I don't know if that's ever actually been the case in practice, but in theory, it's supposed to be three very even powers that can pull in their direction. But here in North Carolina, right now, a supermajority. That said, if everyone votes along party lines then Republicans have a supermajority. And in the case with Trisha Cotham, she is a question mark. She was, she's from Mecklenburg County. She was elected as a Democrat very recently. She switched to the Republican Party, cited various reasons why she was upset with the Democratic Party, probably condemning her future political career, at least in her district, because it votes very left. That's right. So the chance of her getting reelected is slim to none, unless she really starts to vote not with party lines, then she might have a chance. And that is a real question because she was elected Democrat in many ways. She probably wants to vote for some things as a Democrat. Yeah, you would imagine there may still be some things there. It's it's a certainly an interesting, interesting piece of political theater we saw there. You know, and, and I'm reading an article here that talks about the governor saying that um, he actually called on, he's sort of in a turnabout, he spoke about uh, Four Republican legislators that during their campaign spoke openly about not further restricting abortion access. So it's interesting. Surprise, surprise, we see some campaign promises that don't always hold true when folks make the trip to Raleigh. And what it can come down to for a lot, I don't know if that's the situation in this case, but it can come down to future support for future elections, whether that be financial or endorsements from other politicians. Yep. If you uh, break lines for a big blockbuster vote such as this one, that could be detrimental to your future political career. Yep, yep. Um, we are definitely definitely in an interesting place when it comes to abortion as a nation. When you think about the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and you think about um, different different actions that the states are taking, I guess we're in a place where there won't we can't expect uniformity. And you bring up a good point. This all comes back to Roe v. Wade. That being overturned very recently from the United States Supreme Court. That's what allowed this to happen in the first place. 